Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? So some interesting news dropped this week. Uh, Facebook decided to change its company name to Meta World Peace or something like that. PlayStation has announced their PC label, so they're finally trying to push some of their games onto the PC platforms. Some interesting, you know, trailers dropped and all that, but nope. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. Why? Because it's Halloween. It's the special Halloween episode of the Talking Talk Show podcast. So let's talk about Halloween coming up right now. What's up, everybody? Episode 9 of the Talking Talk Show podcast, Halloween edition. And, you know, this, I figured, let's forget about all the news or interesting tidbits that happen during the week. Oh, let's just have some fun. Let's just talk about Halloween. Can you guys guess who I'm dressed up as? I didn't put a lot of effort in this, and I happen to have the shirt. So if you can guess it, leave your guesses in the comments section and let me know. Maybe you'll, you'll win, I don't know, a piece of candy or something like that. But thank you for tuning in. As always, the Talking Talk Show podcast is your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast where we talk about movies tv shows what's streaming collectibles some of the big highlights from the week and i kind of you know have my take and spins on it and and all that good stuff so if you are returning and you're watching on youtube or you're listening on audio uh, format Thank you for returning as always. I always appreciate you coming back. If you're new to the channel, welcome. Hopefully you like what you see and if you do, uh, if you would be so kind to hit that subscribe button, it helps support the channel, helps support a small little channel like mine grow and grow this community of ours. If you're looking for an audio version of this show, you can find it on your podcast platform of choice like Spotify, iTunes, and the like. So be sure to check it out there. So Halloween. Halloween is a holiday that is beloved by so many people, and uh, including myself, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't have anything planned for this year. Last year, if you were following me, um, I did a nice 12-hour uh, stream on Twitch where I played some games, um, you know, played some games with some of you uh, who are watching and had a lot of fun there. Um, but this time I decided, you know, let's just talk about some stuff when it comes to movies and horror movies and Halloween movies and why do we like to watch these movies? You know, what are, is it about these movies that interest everyone? My history when it comes to watching horror movies and all that. And I'd love to hear your your takes on you know halloween as a holiday uh what is your favorite costume of memory like what was you, one of your favorite costumes that you ever wore during halloween let me know in the comments I, I will be i would really love to hear that stuff looking back in my childhood during halloween um you know i grew up in an age where costumes were bought in a box 
Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the new generation d- don't remember that or don't even know what that means. But when I was a kid, we used to go to, you know, Woolworths or Pathmark, um, dep- any department store that sold uh, Halloween stuff. And, you know, we didn't have Targets back then, you know, um, or Walmarts or what have you. So we would go and they would have these pre-made costumes that came in a cardboard box and it had like a little window where you could see the mask and the mask was just one part of a mask that was all plastic and very hard to breathe through sometimes but this was the best way that you can buy uh, costumes of some of your favorite characters from movies tv shows cartoons or what have you um, I guess now, if you think of it in today's standards, it will be equivalent to those costumes that you buy in a bag, whether you go to like Spirit Halloween or you buy stuff off Amazon. Usually they come in this you know, big see-through um, plastic bag and it has everything you need for your costume, right? And I'm sure there are a lot of you out there who buy your costumes that way. But growing up, this is what we had. And basically it, it had a mask with a really cheap rubber band that you would just put over your head and it would just be the front and the uh, outfit or the jumpsuit as I like to call it would be this really cheaply made plastic uh, jumpsuit that would cover your entire body for the most part and there'll be like a zipper in the back you zip yourself up in there and then that would be it these things were so hot that more 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 often than not you would be sweating your balls off in this costume but this is what we we wore and this is what we would go, use to go trick or treating if we were doing it on a budget and all that stuff so one of my fondest memories and you wouldn't see this really happening today but um i decided that i wanted to dress up as mr t uh, Mr. T was huge at the time. You know, he, the A-Team was a very popular TV program that a lot of people watched, you know, especially my age group. So I used to watch Mr. T on a weekly basis. Mr. T had a Saturday morning cartoon. Mr. T had a cereal. You know, Mr. T was huge around this time. And I was like, I want to be Mr. T. Yeah, little, little... Uh, half Asian, half Spanish, half white little person like myself wanting to be Mr. T. And I remember I would go around and everyone would be screaming from across the street, Hey, Mr. T, a pity fool, and all that stuff. And, you know, I got a lot of laughs and all that because, you know, I'm this little guy dressed up as Mr. T, but I thought it was the best thing ever. Um, There is a rumor that the local meat market in my old neighborhood, Astoria in Queens, still has my picture that they took of me as Mr. T on their wall. I haven't been there in ages, so I haven't had a chance to verify if this is true or not, because it's one of those like old neighborhood establishments. They've been there for centuries or what have you, um, and they've had you know their walls plastered plastered with pictures from the neighborhood and all that. So it is quite possible that my picture still hangs on that wall, but I, I got to check it out. Um, but the worst part that happened was that I was a pretty fat kid. And these costumes would always never really fit me 100%, 
right? So sometimes my mom would have to make some alterations or whatever to try to make it work. You know, growing up as a fat kid in the 80s, a lot of these special things were geared towards more slimmer kids, you know. Um, that's one of the reasons why I couldn't wear underoos because underoos, they didn't make husky sizes for people like me. Um, so, but we made it work. But one of the worst things that happened that night was I think I bent down because I dropped something and whop, my costume ripped on the ass part. And I had to walk for a good couple of hours with this huge hole in my butt. And that was really embarrassing and I was extremely embarrassed. But, you know, I got enough candy and I made it work and it was fun. And that's like one of my fondest memories of trick-or-treating during Halloween and one of my favorite costumes. Now, as the years gone by, obviously my costumes got more elaborate and all that stuff. And I've never done cosplay like at the conventions or what have you, um, except for once I, I went uh, as an Hokage ninja from Naruto, um, you know, because I had the beard and I looked like, I forget the name of the main character, I'm sure you guys can remind me in the comments. But I dressed up as, as that dude and everyone complimented me there. And then later on, a couple years afterwards, um, I dressed up like that again. And I went to like a Halloween 80s concert and all that. And I was having a blast or what have you. Um, so that was fun. So yeah, let me know some of your favorite costumes growing up or in recent years. You know, I'd love to know all about that stuff. But another thing about the 80s was that Horror movies were at a prime during the 80s. Um, you had a lot of horror movies that originated in the 80s, like Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, um, I believe Friday the 13th actually uh, debuted in the last couple of years of the 70s, um, if I remember correctly. But then you had, you know, Halloween that came out around the same time. Um, then you had uh, the Poltergeist movies and... Um, you know, all those little movies, you know, especially like a lot of the B-horror movies like The Fog and The Stuff. Um, the Stuff is one of those amazing campy horror movies that's about this ice cream or, or uh, pudding thing that became very popular and everyone would eat it, but it would eat your insides out, right? And everyone was like, oh, The Stuff. And, you know, it was like a funny thing. And I always used to peruse the horror sections of my local video store. Not that I would rent anything because I was pretty weak and I easily got scared, but still there was a fascination with horror movies in the 80s and a lot of kids my age were really into that stuff. Then you had your TV programs. There were a lot of horror-based anthology TV programs like Tales from the Dark Side, you know, HBO had Creeps... Uh, not creep show was it creep show uh, i don't really remember uh no tales from the crypt they had the tales from the crypt series that was very popular around that time um and then eventually freddy krueger had its uh, had his own anthology anthology tv program um i believe it was called freddy's nightmares or something like that it used to air really late at night on a friday or saturday or something like that I believe there was a Friday the 13th program that had nothing to do with um, Jason at all. Um, but there were a lot, 
everywhere you look, there was always something horror-related that was popular. The popular magazine at the time was Fangoria, and I used to buy Fangoria every month. Um, again, not really big into horror movies, but still fascinated with the horror genre. Um, so I carried on a lot of that with me, and eventually I watched a lot of these horror movies from that time. And you know, back then I would freak myself out and you know be scared and couldn't sleep for like days or weeks or what have you. But then as the years have progressed, then the horror movies they kind of shifted from the campy, you know, always involving young teenagers and sex and all that stuff. Um, and they kind of evolved into kind of spoofs on that stuff and smart smooth spoofs like the Scream series, which I thought was really well done when it first came out. But then we started getting into the more gory hack and slash you know, slasher type of horror movies. And I think that really originated with Saw, right? Saw is like the one that kind of was the epitome of that, where it focused so much on gore and and all that. And that's around the time where my love for horror movies kind of drifted, right? Because I wasn't really that into that stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. The first Saw movie was actually really well done, but not something that I really, really wanted to continue watching then um more awareness of like the japanese horror movies started becoming popular so you had stuff like the ring the grudge dark water and then we had american versions of that stuff so that all became popular and then now in recent years we had movies like insom um insidious and the conjuring right when it started now bringing horror the horror genre into this whole new uh, realm of possibilities and the great thing about Insidious that I really love is that it kind of took the typical horror tropes and threw it out the window you know when you watched an old horror movie the thing that really got you was like that big jump scare right and but it would be kind of um, you know you could kind of tell it was coming because of the music or the sound Insidious got rid of all that and it'll just be silence and then bam something would just like come out of nowhere but no sound would be involved it's just all visual cues and that scared the living crap out of me and I thought it was really well done and obviously it blew up then we had a period of all of these like exorcism type movies and all the reboots of all the classics and blah 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 and all that stuff um, you know and then don't forget the zombie uh, surgeons that we had, you know, all the zombie related movies and everything, you know, the zombies had its time back in the 80s too, with all of the Return of the Living Deads and, you know, Dawn of the Deads and all that stuff like that. Then it came back and then now you have TV shows like The Walking Dead that became really popular and, and kind of brought all that back. Then vampires were a big thing again because thanks to the Twilight series and yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know where I'm going with all this stuff. So when it comes to the more of the modern horror movies you know I was never really a huge fan of a lot of that stuff but like I like to do every year um, I like to kind of catch up on some of that stuff especially during the month of October to get myself in the mood for horror movies so one of the things that I've always wanted to check out was uh, Hereditary and Midsommar 
A24's classic movies at this point. And these are more of those psychological horror movies, right? You know, it plays with your psyche and, um, you know, tells stories about um, these two movies who are both directed by Ari Aster. And he really has like a fascination when it comes to cults. Um, so first I watched Midsommar because I know this movie, this was like Florence Pugh's, one of her earlier movies. And she was brilliant in this movie, really well acted really well throughout the whole thing now granted she was crying most of the time which I thought was kind of hilarious and hearing her um, maniacal crying and her her especially in the beginning when the, the events of the movie kind of played out uh, were was very menacing very you know like cringy and in a in a nicely done way though it's like wow you really felt her her sadness and her, her her pain and all that then you got into the story of this cult that they eventually go to in uh, sweden and all that and it was really bananas but it it was so bananas that i really it got me thinking like was this based on something real or what are the hidden meanings behind a lot of the things that transpired there so it led me to a rabbit hole of trying to figure things out trying to figure out what were the hidden meanings and agenda of this cult group um you know it's psychological but also a lot of the visuals were very shocking right then I watched Hereditary, and it's kind of kind of along the same lines. A lot of things were happening, and you're like, "Why is this happening? Like, what's going on here?" And it kind of along the same lines as The Witch, another A twenty four classic horror movie, um, where you are just watching things happen, and there's really not a lot of explanation. But when you break it down little by little. It's very interesting to kind of see the, the hints and the clues and and everything that's kind of laid out in front of you. But as a first time watcher, easily you can miss a lot of these things. And I think that's what makes these movies kind of brilliant in their own way is that it's 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 those type of movies that it begs you to kind of dig deep into and you want to invest a little bit more time to understand what the hell you just watched. Um, so really, really w well done. And I was really happy to finally get a chance to watch all that stuff. And it's interesting now to see where the horror genre kind of lies. And then I watched Malignant. Now, Malignant, it, it uh, had its time on HBO Max. Now it's kind of theaters only or just wait a couple more weeks or what have you and it's going to come back to HBO Max and digital and all that stuff. I think it's available digital now. But holy crap. This movie was like a throwback to like those 90s horror movies. Those really like it reminded me a lot of like Evil Dead, especially like Evil Dead 2 uh, or Darkman. If you guys remember Darkman that came out in the 90s. It was just so bonkers and like off the wall and the the action scenes were just like ridiculous and the premise was just so out of left field the first 10 minutes really set the pace of the movie and it got you 
if you got it, you got it, right? If you're all on board, then you were all on board. And I couldn't stop laughing. The dialogue was cheesy. And I, I just didn't know what I was watching. And it surprised me because it was James Wan, the guy who made The Conjuring very popular and from what it is today, right? Um, and it looked like he just want, decided to do a crazy, batshit, horror-type movie that really, really tested the audience's patience. And some liked it, some hated it. I loved it. I mean, it was, like I said... I grew up watching a lot of these type of horror movies, and I'm a huge fan of like the Evil Dead series. Dark Man is one of those like cult classics, and it just was like a throwback to all of that stuff. So if you are ever so inclined and you want to check out to see what I'm talking about there, then uh, do so and let me know what you think because it 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 really really it was really surprising and I, I didn't know what to, what I was getting myself into and I'm glad I caught it because I think I caught it on the last day it was available on HBO Max I'm like you know what I've heard some stuff about this let me check it out and I checked it out and wow I was really really uh, pleased and surprised of how much I liked it but then what I really wanted to talk about there's two things I really wanted to talk about the first thing here is Halloween. So Halloween is probably one of the more famous uh, horror franchises out today. You know, it's the one franchise that keeps coming back. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street, they tried to come back several times. Nothing really stuck, you know. Um, Friday the 13th, I feel like they've kind of, you know, left it alone for a bit, you know, for good reason. Because um, a lot of the last movies that came out were so horrible. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they've tried to um, re-reboot that several times and nothing really came out of that as well. But Halloween was is always something that they keep trying to bring back. Because in the, the base of the premise and the base of the story, it's actually very interesting. You know, you have a young boy who for some reason uh, lost his mind. I think it's because he is overly obsessed with his sister. Whether it's a sexual thing or it's like just more like, you know, looking up to her or whatever. There's just something that hit his psyche that is like, no one is supposed to touch my sister or, you know... I can only, you know, enjoy my sister or whatever you want to take that as, right? So, and, and again, if I'm spoiling this stuff, I mean, this movie came out in the late 70s. So, please, if you haven't seen it yet, you're not planning to see it at all. Um, and the reason why I'm talking about Halloween, too, is because, you know, we had the more recent reboots, the, the one Halloween that came out in um, 2018, which actually did really well. I never saw it until recently. And then the new Halloween Kills that came out, you know, this month, um, which I really want to talk about because I think they squandered an opportunity, but whatever. So, but the original Halloween starred Jamie Lee Curtis, who played... Um, this babysitter who lived in the neighborhood. Um, and then, you know, Michael, 
as a kid kills his sister because you know he was basically stalking her watching her as she's having fun with her boyfriend or what have you and that's why i think the whole thing stems with the whole fascination of the sister where it's like if i can't if she can't be only belonging to me then no one else is allowed to have her so i'm just going to take her out of the equation right um so she he kills his sister you know they take him in he spends the majority of his life in a mental institute and then he escapes right now in the original halloween movie he his fascination is to go back home he wants to go back to his neighborhood because that's what he's familiar with and he wants to go back to his home now he comes across jamie lee curtis and her friends and maybe there's something that triggers inside of him that's like they kind of remind me of my sister um so i'm going to obsess over them right and which leads him to eventually kill most of them kill their boyfriends um he's very creative you know as a serial killer because you know when he killed some of her friends he stole the tombstone of his sister and put it on the bed and kind of made this nice little visual that you know, nice for him um and you know as he's waiting for um you know Lori to come in miss strode and you know eventually take her out right um but the one thing that he never did was that he never killed anyone else outside of those girls because i think inside of him it kind of triggered the whole sister thing he never killed any kids right um he when he stole the car when he escaped the mental institute he never wanted to kill the nurse and the nurse is going to play a part later on he just wanted the car how he knew how to drive beats the hell out of me you know but he he learned really quick in that quick minute and he took took the car and he drove back to his neighborhood. Um, but at the end of this movie, you know, Doctor Loomis comes and they were able to um, prevent him from killing Lori. Right? You know, Loomis shoots him multiple times, but then he disappears. Right? And then now he's off running about and what have you. And then when Halloween Two came out back in the eighties. It was just it was just not a great movie in the story and I, I believe mo most of the movie Laurie's in the hospital and blah 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 this that so I don't even want to talk about it because that stuff doesn't matter anymore all the other Hollywood movies that came after that just doesn't matter anymore H2O all that stuff the really piss poor Halloween 3 that had nothing to do with Michael Myers it, d it dealt with this weird satanic corporation and force kids to buy these masks and watch this program and then they all melted in their mask and weird crap scared the living bejesus out of me at the time but it had nothing to do with the storyline so i don't know what they were thinking then but all that doesn't matter because 2018's halloween came out and this is supposed to be the pure sequel to the original halloween right takes place like 30 years after the events 30 35 years um, yes, Michael does escape again, um, but Lori is much older. She has a daughter. The daughter has a daughter, but Lori spends the majority of her life 
preparing for that moment Michael comes back. So the events from the first movie messed up her psyche. And now she's like this overly paranoid person who is extremely traumatized by the events that happened in the first Halloween. Now, Michael is a more menacing presence. And now Michael just doesn't give a fuck. Why? We don't know. But he decides to kill everybody in his way. Not just a group of girls that reminds him of his sister. You know, not just the boyfriends that are bothering these girls or they're attached to these girls. But he starts... First, he wants to get his mask back, right? And then, you know, he kills everyone who has his mask and blah, blah, blah. Because there's these two podcasters, which I thought was a really funny spin. They're trying to do a story on Michael and da 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 So he follows them, you know, gets the mask back and all that stuff. To our knowledge, he's not fully aware that Laurie's still around. But he catches wind of it. And then it's like a big showdown, right? But there, before all of that, he's killing basically anybody for no reason. So I, I was kind of bothered by that. But I did like the fact that here you have a showdown of Laurie, who is forever traumatized by the events that happened in Halloween, who raised her daughter in the same vein. So the, the daughter is familiar with shooting guns and survival and escape plans and all that stuff like that. And to a certain extent, her daughter is as well, right? And then there's this epic showdown between Michael and the Strode family, which I thought was really brilliantly done. And again, it, it really piqued my interest as to where they're going with this new trilogy that they're working on. So it ended with them capturing Michael. They set the house on fire and they assume that Michael is gone, right? Plus, we have uh, cameos from one of the original police guys from the original Halloween movie, right? Who wasn't necessarily in the movie, but they had like this little flashback of events that kind of shows you what happened when Michael went missing and they were able to capture him and all that stuff like that, right? I, I can't remember if the flashback happened in 2018's Halloween or Halloween Kills. But you know what? Let's move forward to Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills comes out. And again, spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking about this movie because I just have to. And if you're interested to watch this movie, then I... Yeah, I advise you to skip this part. Um, but majority of this movie takes place in the hospital again. Laurie Strode is injured, so they're you know attending to her wounds, and they're under the impression that Michael's gone. They got him. He's you know taken care of, but Michael eventually escapes the fire, and he takes on a battalion of firefighters there must have been 10 of them and he's able to wipe them out in like two minutes right but before all that happens we get treated to this flashback a pretty extended flashback of the events that happen at the end of the first Halloween you know we are reminded again that Lori was babysitting two kids right and then there are some other kids 
in the neighborhood that kind of encountered Michael in a certain way. But like I said, back then, Michael wasn't killing kids, right? So fast forward, oh, and then we were introduced to some of the cops that were involved in the incidents and all that stuff like that, right? So the great thing that I was really interested in in this sequel was that they were going to bring a lot of these people from the original Halloween back. So we had the boy that Lori was babysitting back now as an adult. We have the girl that lived across the street that she eventually had to babysit too because her friends wanted to go have sex. And um, she ended up babysitting both of them. She comes back. And they even got the original actress to come back, which was great. The nurse that had was in the car is back. And for some reason, the nurse is hanging out with these two kids. Don't know how that happened, but that's what's happening, right? Maybe they're sharing the, the, the trauma of the events and all that stuff. So I was really interested to see what they were going to do with bringing these people back and how they were going to involve them, right? Lori, like I said, they're in the hospital and all that. Now everyone is celebrating their Halloween. And again, this is all the same day from the events of 2018's Halloween. So now we're at night. The night is continuing. They're at a bar. It's like an open mic night. You know, everyone's singing karaoke or performing or what have you. So they have the boy come up on stage. Now all grown up, you know. And Tommy Doyle, the name of the boy, is played by Anthony Michael Hall, which I think is pretty funny. You know, it kind of looks like him, I guess. I believe Paul Rudd played Tommy Doyle in one of the sequels of Halloween. You know, the, the parts that it doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, so he goes up on stage and, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, he's going to tell like this nice story. And then he just shuts the mood down and be like 40 years ago or whatever you know how many years you know michael myers ruined all of our lives and everyone there were so many deaths and yada 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 you know all, all that stuff and they kept all throughout the movie reminding the audience that all these all these events took place like 35 years ago, 40 years ago, I forget how many years or what have you, but they keep reminding you that this is the anniversary of blah, 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 blah. You know what? You want a great drinking game for Halloween? It might be too late when you watch this, but if you want to keep this in mind for next Halloween, pop in this movie. Let's say you're having a party. You want to watch something, pop in Halloween Kills. Here's the drinking game. Every time someone mentions the anniversary of the events of Halloween, take a shot. Second, every time someone says evil dies tonight or it's going to end tonight, take another shot. Because all throughout the movie, everyone kept saying, evil dies tonight because they find out that Michael Myers is escaped and he's coming back and now all these people are taking it upon themselves to protect their town and they're going to hunt Michael Myers down so it becomes this mob craziness 
and now you have a mob going after Michael Myers. And anytime you involve get a mob involved in stuff, you know things are gonna go wrong, right? Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Guarantee you by the one hour mark of the movie, or even like the forty five minute mark, you're all gonna be drunk, pissed drunk, because they kept chanting this and repeating this and all that stuff. Guess what? 90% of all the people that came back from the original horror movie, from the original Halloween movie, dies like halfway through the movie. And good old Tommy Doyle with the crazy mob that confronts him at the end of this movie, he dies too. All while, for the most part, Laurie is in the freaking hospital with nothing to do. This movie sucked. This movie was awful. They had a great opportunity to take this somewhere interesting. And they just, I don't know what happened. It was just ridiculous. It didn't make any sense. Michael Myers is like killing everyone again. And I felt like what I liked about the 2018 Halloween, even though there was killing and a lot of the stuff was very brutal, it was also very suspenseful. You didn't know what his motives were. You didn't know how he was going to go about to uh, catching up with Laurie and her family and this and that and how they were going to trick him and capture him and kill him and all that stuff like that. So it was very suspenseful, more along the suspense thriller aspect. Here I felt like they wanted to go back to more of the gore and the slashing and all that stuff because a lot of the kills were so bloody and brutal for no reason like Michael just doesn't stop right the dude's already dead and he's still like bah, 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 and all that stuff for no reason you know then you had the mob and the mob goes after this one guy who thinks it's their who they think it's Michael but it's another guy that escaped the mental hospital and the poor thing they go nuts on this guy and, and you know Lori's daughter they're trying to you know stop them like no it's not Michael and but the mob of course is not listening and uh, like I said you get a mob started things go wrong right because now no one's thinking and it's just chaos and they finally find Michael at the end it's like a good 20 people and they start beating on Michael. Now, I told you, Michael took out a battalion of 10 firefighters within two minutes. How the hell did they get Michael on the floor? Right? But eventually, he pulls the okey-doke and be like, ha I'm not dead, suckers. And he wipes everyone out. You know, Tommy had his moments where he was trying to be like the leader and he had his hero moments. When I say hero moments, it's like he had this moment where he was like camera solo on him and he's, you know, talking his big game and he has his bat and he's like, that's it. I'm going to end it. Evil dies tonight because it's going to be me and I'm not going to rest until I get him. And camera's like zoomed in on him and all that. Well, guess what, Tommy? You messed up and you failed. So good job, jackass. So yeah, that's that. I was very disappointed, you know. And guess what? Now Lori's daughter's dead. Spoiler alert! Like you care. 
Michael catches up with her, kills her. Now it's personal. Now I can see where they're going here. Lori's going to find out. He killed my daughter. Now it's going to be one-on-one. It's me and you, Michael. We're going to go toe-to-toe. And it's going to be the bout of the century. Rocky versus Drago. Lori versus Michael Myers. So let's see what happens. Even though I'm extremely disappointed with this movie and where they're going, I'm still going to watch it. The third in this trilogy that they're working on. Yeah. Because I'm just curious. I'm curious how else they're going to mess it up and how corny and cheesy it's going to end up being. So, there you go. That's my uh, telling and synopsis and recap of the Halloween franchise as we know it today. Let me know what you think in the comments. If I bored you, I apologize. I just had to talk about it because it's Halloween. It's Halloween. Um, If you saw it and you share similar thoughts like me, please let me know as well. I would love to have discussions with you guys about this franchise because they were on to something and they just ruined it. Completely ruined it. Um, Who knows? Maybe the third one is going to be this amazing revelation and it's going to be, you know, crazy and it's going to be so good and all that. But we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, so that's that. But... The second and last thing I'd like to talk about this week is, um, you know, again, if you're like me and you're kind of tired of the type of horror movies that we're getting today, or you're just not really into horror movies, but you still want to like indulge in the spirit of Halloween and watch something with your family, your loved one, your friends, you're having a party and you want to pop something on, I have a list for you. Now, it's not going to be your typical Halloween list. It's going to be a little offbeat, but it's my list of alternate Halloween movies that you should watch if you don't want to watch your typical Saw movie, Conjuring, Insidious, Paranormal Activity, you know. Um, If you want to revisit Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or Halloween or Poltergeist or all that. Because that's what everyone always says. You know, oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch that. You got to watch The Exorcist, right? You got to watch, like, there's so many of these must-watch Halloween movies out there, right? And everyone has their own list, right? I guarantee you no one has a list like mine. And if they do, then kudos to them. Then we're on the same wavelength. And I want to know those people. And I want to be friends with them. Because this is going to be my top five alternate Halloween movies for you to enjoy for Halloween if you're not into your typical Halloween movies. And before I continue, a lot of these movies you could watch for free. How, you say? Well, let me tell you. It is spooky season, and you got to be prepared. Be prepared to scream as you stream the latest horror movies on Amazon Prime Video. Just in time for your Halloween party or your Halloween gathering or you're spending the night by yourself or with a loved one and you just want to watch some horror movies or any other movies, you got to check out Amazon Prime Video. 
Because in addition to horror favorites you know and love, Prime Video has released four new Amazon original thriller titles. Black Box, The Lie, Nocturne, and Evil Eye. Amazon Prime Video is a great streaming service that allows you to stream many of your favorite movies, like I mentioned, along with Prime Originals. Series like The Boys, Invincible, and the highly anticipated Wheel of Time that launches on November 19th. Not a member of Prime? No worries. Follow the link that I have in the description of this video and this podcast and sign up for your free 30-day trial. You can, of course, cancel anytime, but with such great streaming content, I would be surprised if you do so. Again, sign up today for your free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime Video by clicking on the link you can find in the description and prepare to be spooked and entertained because a lot of the movies I'm going to be mentioning you can watch for free as part of Amazon Prime Video. So let's start off. I don't have these at any particular list. I mean, in any particular order. I'm just going to go off the list that I made here. And these are a lot of the movies that I would normally enjoy during this time of year. First off is a classic in my opinion. It is 1987's The Monster Squad. You want a movie that you can enjoy with your kids and your family and you're into movies like The Goonies or Stranger Things and this is the movie for you because it has similar vibes to those popular movies and that popular TV show. It takes place in the 80s. You know, it has tons of 80s nostalgia, especially if you grew up during the era. You're going to remember this movie. And if not, then you're going to remember a lot of things that happen in this movie. Why? Because it is a movie about these kids who forms these groups that love monsters. Your universal monsters, your Godzilla, all that stuff. Remember I mentioned Fangoria before? They love Fangoria. They were like kids like me. And we would talk about monsters all the time. And here you have a similar group of kids. Guess what? One day, Dracula escapes from his Transylvania uh, uh, castle and he ends up on a plane with all of the bodies and remnants of all of these other classic monsters like Frankenstein, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and they land in this middle America town, every, you know, every town in America, USA. And they meet up with the mummy and the wolfman and they're looking for this gem that was once uh, owned by Van Helsing that will give them ultimate power. But in return, if the gem is used correctly, it would take all of these bad guys and throw them into this void and they'll be vanished forever. It is such a fun movie. I watched it recently, and for me, it still holds up. Like I said, if you're really into like those 80 nostalgic type movies, like I said, you watch The Goonies, you watch Stand By Me, all those good things from back in the day. This movie has very similar vibes. You know, it's like, you know, and every kid has a character. You know, you have, uh, and again, this is taken during a time in the 80s where things were a little bit more free to make fun of right so in today's woke age maybe some of this stuff will be inappropriate but just put yourself in that mindset so yes you have the fat kid that always that people always make fun of um then you also have uh the the, the leader of the group 
who is the genius and expert when it comes to all the monsters. He has a sister who always wants to tag along. They befriend this cool kid, you know, who wears the biker jacket and kind of wants to be like James Dean, smoking cigarettes and all that stuff like that. So it's a really, really cool story. One of my favorites. Uh, and like I said, he has your typical universal monsters in there, you know. And the great thing about this movie is that it really puts into to light the typical tropes that they put out there about how to handle these monsters. You know, what kills Dracula? What kills the Wolfman? You know, what kills, um, you know, other like like the mummy or all that stuff like that, you know? So it really puts into play that type of knowledge that as a kid, you would probably study and study and study. It's like, oh my God, did you know that silver bullets only kill, you know, werewolves and garlic is good for vampires and da 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 it's really really cute and i had so much fun with this movie it's it's one of the best and i think you guys will enjoy it again perfect movie for families and kids and one of the great lines in the movie of course is wolfman got nards and you'll know what i mean when you watch it next on my list here is a movie that's not going to be for everyone you know but again it was something i watched during that time i actually saw this movie in the theater actually i saw monster squad and this movie in the theater and actually a lot of these movies i saw in the theater but uh, anyway elvira mistress of the dark it came out in 1986 and it is like i said a movie that's not going to be for everyone but if you're looking for an 80s campy you know really silly movie and you're into that type of comedy that has a lot of sexual innuendos but is uh, kind of done in a vein of like very slapstick parody like comedy and all that this is a movie for you and if you just remember Elvira as the character then this is one of the highlights of her career when she made this movie now if you don't know who Elvira is Elvira was huge in the 80s she was kind of like the poster child for horror um, very similar to um, Morticia Adams, um, and you know she hosted her own horror television show for several years, where she would watch a lot of B horror movies or you know those really campy, cheesy horror movies, and she'll poke fun of it. You know she'll have like jokes and all that, and she try to tries to kind of interact with you, the audience, as you're watching this movie. Kind of almost similar to like Mystery Science Theater 3000 and all that stuff like that. So this was all predating that stuff. You know, she made a lot of appearance on The Tonight Show. She did some stuff with Pee Wee Herman and all that stuff like that. So because of her popularity, she ended up landing this movie, right? Which kind of continues the whole persona that she has out there, which is kind of like a valley girl, no nonsense, always joking around into heavy metal and you know all that stuff very goth so that's you know she spoke to that type of audience right but like i said all throughout the movie there's a lot of you know sexual jokes a lot of puns you know she's like this really really sexed up person and she doesn't mind showing it every chance they can get she's they're always joking about her boobs and there are jokes about, you know, you know, cleavage and all that stuff and da 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 da. But when you rewatching this movie, another thing that kind of caught my eye was that 
it's a movie that is actually talking more about acceptance and not judging people just by their appearance because when she ends up in this town everyone is against her right because she's different you know everyone is very straight laced very again middle america any town usa and all that stuff like that so there the morals is like this huge thing right like oh you can't talk about sex and da, da, da. you can't dress like that you know hoochies and all that stuff you know and she was always you know the the rebel against all that stuff and obviously she befriends a lot of the kids in the neighborhood mostly because of the boys who are like after her and all this stuff but she also is representing girl power right allowing to she's trying to empower the the females to be themselves and go out there and you know do what they want to do and it's not there's nothing wrong with you know uh, showing off your body and being aware of all these things and all that you know being yourself wear makeup blah blah blah, blah. you know but it's a, it's one of these movies like i said it's a fun ride it's very 80s nostalgic 80s it's not going to be for everyone but if you're just in the mood for something really silly and ridiculous then i recommend elvira mistress of the dark and like i said like anything if you catch these movies or if you remember these movies from the past let me know your thoughts in the comments about this stuff because i would love to talk about it with you guys next on my list now if you're looking for something that's a little bit more action a little bit maybe a little bit more serious but not in the vein of like horror gore and all that stuff like that then my next recommendation is the crow 1994 the crow the crow is still one of my all-time favorite movies easily in my top 10 possibly in my top five and one of my favorite comic book movies to date because it was a pure adaptation of james obar comic series that came out very it stuck very close to source material and it was brilliantly written and directed and brandon lee was just eric draven through and through now a lot of people know this movie because of the accident that brandon lee had on set where he was actually killed because of a misfired prop very similar to the news that we've heard recently in today's uh, headlines uh, which is very unfortunate and this was his last movie that he made because obviously he died during the filming of it and so i feel like people know this movie only because of that but when you watch the movie it's actually a brilliantly acted film by brandon lee it's probably one of his best movies that he's ever had um but the events of the story takes place on halloween devil's night as they refer to it and basically the premise of the movie is you have a, a rocker you know he is a musician he has a fiance they're living happily ever after and then this gang of thugs bust into their house because he had some dealings with some bad guys and i guess he owes money or what have you and he didn't you know didn't feel like he had to pay or or something like that but basically they go and kill both of them right um they you know did some stuff to his fiance and you know that's why he is awoken by the spirit of the crow and he cannot join his love until he seeks vengeance on those who've done them wrong so the rest of the movie he goes on and he searches for all of the people involved in their murders and enacts his justice on them kind of like the punisher would right 
But you have a lot of supernatural stuff that happens in this movie because, again, he is kind of like this spirit. Um, a lot of great action scenes, the fighting, the gunplay, the cinematography is so well done. Um, cute re- little relationship between Eric and the this little girl in the movie. Very, very nicely done. Quotable movie lines also. A lot of nice quotes throughout this movie. Um, very well done. The soundtrack alone was extremely, extremely popular. Um, it, it, the soundtrack was like on the Billboard Top 10, I believe. Um, I remember people were crazy more for the soundtrack than the movie, but then when they saw the movie, then they were crazy for the movie as well. So very, very well done movie. Like I said, one of the first true comic book adaptations that made it to the big screen. And this is in the 90s, right? After this, of course, you got the Blade movies or what have you. But The Crow, I feel like, helped spearhead the mentality that you can adapt a comic book to the big screen and a comic book property that is not a Marvel or DC property, right? Independent. This was an independent comic book, and they did a great job. Now, unfortunately, they tried to do sequels, which didn't really work. Don't even mention The Crow 2 because I couldn't even understand what the actor was saying most of the time. They did a TV series that was short-lived that I thought was sort of getting that charm back, the essence of the movie back. Um, Great actor in that TV series as well. But And they're still to this day trying to reboot this series and it's just, it never is panning out. So forget all that nonsense. If you just want to have a great action movie with an awesome soundtrack and that is kind of themed for Halloween, then The Crow is for you. My next one is another favorite of mine. Um, And again, this is a movie that is kind of good for a little bit more, you know, spooks here and there and and, uh, with some um, hints of comedy laced throughout and all that. But definitely uh, more on the serious side of things. But, you know, depending on how you take it. And that is arachnophobia. Now, I have a huge fear of spiders. So when I watch this movie in the theater, it really speaks to me because everything that transpired with the spiders not only creeped me out, but I can relate because almost a lot of identical situations in my life I've encountered with spiders happen in this movie. Um, And I'll talk about that some other day. But this is a fun movie to watch kind of along the lines of like I would kind of compare it to kind of like Jurassic Park you know like with a type of action and suspense and thriller throughout the movie you have Jeff Daniels who is magnificent in this movie he is the main uh, lead here who is a doctor from the big city who moves to a smaller uh, town because you know his stress and anxiety he can't take it anymore so he decides him and his family thought it would be a good idea to buy a uh, farmhouse and all that stuff. And for some reason, there was an expedition somewhere in the jungle where someone from that town um, dies from a spider. And guess what? The spider decided to hitchhike and make its way back to the town. And that's when all hell breaks loose, right? 
Um, you have Jeff Goodman, who plays the comic relief and kind of, you know, lends that much needed moments of levity throughout the movie where he's like this big shot exterminator and, you know, they call upon him to help out. And every time he's on screen, you can't help but laugh because he is a really funny dude and his bravado and his machismo you know it is just really hilarious how he plays that role but very well done movie um a lot of you know there's some jump scares and um kind of gross scenes here and there but nothing that's gory or anything like that the fascinating thing about this movie is that they made the spiders almost as if they were these like very intelligent creatures you know i'm not saying spiders are dumb but they made him as if they really had like these minds that they were hunting these people down that they knew how to fight you the showdown you had with jeff daniels at the end with the main spider there it was as if you had like this big showdown as if it was like um ellie and the the raptor in jurassic park you know and it was just uh really really well directed you know they they made the spiders have like these sound effects and there's romance and this really really funny moment where it's like you know the two spiders meet and that's how they make babies you know it's like a romantic thing it's really really great a lot of fun um i know a lot of people have fond memories of this movie like myself um but i never hear it brought up in conversation of like movies to watch during halloween so i do feel like this is a movie that's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of you people out there looking for something different um so yeah arachnophobia i think it, it's a great movie to add to your list here last on my list here look you got a group of people a bunch of your friends you know, you're having your drinks, you're having fun. Maybe you're already drunk because you decided to do what I did or what I suggested and you watched Halloween Kills and you had the drinking game. So now you're looking for something just to, you know, laugh at and poke fun at. Or you're organizing a bad movie night and your whole plan for the night is to riff on a movie that is like awful. Well, then I got the movie for you. And that is 1978's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Why did this make my list? Because of everything I just said. It's the perfect movie to watch with a group of friends just to rag on. You know, it is so ridiculous. And the premise is so far you know, out of left field. But it's so funny to make fun of. It's so funny to watch. I mentioned Elvira, Mystery of the Dark. She ragged on this movie in that movie. Talk about meta. Take that, Facebook. You know, and this movie is parodied, is, is made fun of a lot because of the campiness, because of the cheesiness, the dialogue, the slapstick comedy. You know, it's a lot of the comedy is within the same vein that you would find in Airplane and um, uh, Police Story, which later turned into the Naked Gun movies or the Mel Brooks movies. You know, you have a lot of stuff that's happening in the background, some funny moments that happen behind the main characters, the dialogue, you know, they're listening to the radio and sometimes you'll hear the radio announcer say something really ridiculous. And just the premise alone, I mean, you have a town that is being overrun by killer tomatoes. What? Yeah, it's, it's almost genius. 
in a way. And I know, call me crazy or what have you, but it's a lot of fun. It is a movie that really does parody on like the big monster films from the 50s, you know, like Attack of the Giant Tarantula or, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. If you've watched movies from those days, then you remember how, you know, now, of course, it's very campy where you have a town that's overrun by like this giant spider that you could tell is really just a regular spider that they, you know, superimposed on on, uh, everything else or big ants or what have you. You know, you have these killer tomatoes that have personalities and mindsets that they're just there to take over the town. And you have these silly scenes of like the tomatoes rolling down the streets and attacking people and, you know, this big showdown at the end with this big giant tomato um, as they figure out a way to kind of finally kill them off. And I do believe Mars Attacks followed their premise from this movie and if you know what I mean, if you watched Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton movie, then you'll know exactly what I mean when you watch this movie. You'll catch it. But, yeah, it plays a lot on that, you know, the giant menacing movies of the 50s, but also parodies, I believe, kind of like those disaster movies. That's why, you know, I feel like the comedy is very similar to, like, Airplane. Um, but even in the beginning of the movie, they kind of make a mention of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds where you have this small town that all of a sudden is overrun by these birds that are killing all these people. So what if the same thing happened, but instead of birds, it's tomatoes, right? So, yeah. So this movie is a cult classic that it spawned a sequel in the 80s starring a very young George Clooney. And then later in the 90s, it spawned a kid's animated TV program. Now, it only lasted, I believe, one or two seasons, but still... The fact that this movie carried on and they were re, you know, they were bringing it back, sequel, and then a kid's animated show. I mean, to this day, I still remember, even before I even watched the movie, I knew the song because of the animated show. You know, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That was the theme song that they used in the cartoon. You know, so. After finally watching it, and I rewatched it again recently, I just, I couldn't help but laugh. It is just like a silly movie that, again, you're drunk, group of friends, maybe you're a little high, and you're just looking for a movie to laugh at, poke fun at, you know, rag on, you know, bad movie night, then Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is for you. And I think it would make for a brilliant Halloween movie to watch in a group so yeah so like i said i warned you guys offbeat list here you know very very offbeat alternate halloween movie list but let me know your thoughts i am dying to hear what you guys have to think about this list are you a fan of any of these movies have you never seen one of the like all these movies or one of these movies let me know which one and if you're you know willing to give it a shot and if you are, let me know what you think of it when you do. And like I said, all of these movies are available free to watch on Amazon Prime Video. If you're not a member, you could sign up for your free 30-day trial in you know through the link in the description of this video or of this podcast. And anytime anyone signs up using that link, it does help support this channel. And again, I'm a young 
YouTube channel here, trying to grow this community and this channel, and every little thing helps. So really deeply appreciate it. So that's about it for the show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no collectible of the week this week, but I will be sure that in the next episode, I'll have several collectibles to talk about because we recently just had Hasbro PulseCon that unveiled a lot of interesting stuff, especially uh, crowdfunded uh, projects that they're working on through their HasLab program that I definitely want to talk about with you guys. So stay tuned for the next episode for that. But as always, that is the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining. I hope you guys have a wonderful Halloween weekend. Be safe out there. Do what you got to do. Um, have fun. Try not to think about all the events in the world. Um, if you're not doing anything for Halloween, then at least make sure you're doing something for yourself. Read a favorite book of yours. Watch a favorite movie. Watch one of these movies I talked about. You know, Maybe you'll get a kick out of that. Play your favorite video game. Allow yourself some time for yourself to unwind from your busy week because there's nothing more important than your mental health. And as always, make sure to stay cool, stay classy, and stay safe. And I'll catch all of you guys next time. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.